0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. My name is Jeremiah. I serve with the student ministry here at Grace. And, uh, and years ago, when, when I left home uh, for college, when I, I left to attend Texas A&M University, there we go, it's a good start. Uh, there were, there were so many uncertainties that I, I had about life, you know, what, what it was going to be like the next four or, or what it ended up being five years, and uh, and yet when I left home, there was one thing that, that I was unquestionably sure about, and that was uh, I knew that my mom and dad, that they wanted to hear from me regularly while I was away at college, that they wanted to talk to me, they wanted me to call them, and, and they made that clear, they, they bought me, this was before I had a cell phone, you know, before life had really begun, and so... So they bought me a prepaid phone card, said, here, call home uh, from the, you know, the phone in your dorm room whenever you'd like. And, and then when that card ran out, they, they'd send me another card and, and said, here, use this one now. You know, they, they, would, they would set aside 30 minutes every Sunday evening to talk with me, to, to get that phone call. And they never told me I had to call, but I knew that they were wanting to hear from me. You know, and, and whenever I did call, um, I would spend the vast majority of that conversation talking about me. You know, it wasn't until the end of the conversation that I used to remember, oh, yeah, how about you guys? How are you all doing? What's going on with you all? Oh, good. Okay. All right. We'll see you later. Talk to you next week. Maybe. Right? I mean, I was such a jerk about it. But but they, they made it so easy on me to, to talk with them, so easy to, to, to just give them a call. I mean, it, it was free, right? And they set aside this 30 minutes, and they, they tried to take every barrier away from uh, whatever might prevent me from from talking to them regularly because they wanted to hear from me. You know, they wanted to talk with me. They, they wanted a relationship with me. And, and come on, you know, if, if you've ever had a son or a daughter, you know, away at college or, or out of the state or out of the country, you, you'll drop anything if they call you just to, to tell you what's going on or to ask you a question, won't you? I mean, you will let, you'll let dinner get cold. You'll be late to that appointment because, because you just want to hear from them. Right? You, you want to hear their voice. You want to find out what they need, if, if there's something that you can help them with. You'd do that, wouldn't you? Well, well, I think that, I don't think we can understand and really appreciate what James is going to say to us today about prayer. Unless you, 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 can, you can understand how desperately a, a parent wants to hear from their son or their daughter when they're away from home. You know, and all throughout scripture, what, what God has made absolutely clear to us is that, that he, he, wants, he wants to hear from us that he wants to know what our thoughts are, what our day-to-day stuff is. He, he wants to be invited in to, to help us, to encourage us, to advise us when, when we're in a time of need. He wants to be thanked for the ways that, that, that he's blessing our lives, that, that we're noticing, that we're seeing. He, he wants to be a part of that. And and you know, just think about how easy he's made that on us. I mean, it's wild how far he's gone to make that communication, not only possible, but effortless, right? He says, look, you can call me anytime, from any place, it, it is free. It won't cost you a dime. And then And then even then, Look, when you're too confused or, or too scared or, or too angry or, or too troubled to know what to say, that's okay. I've given you a translator. My Holy Spirit, he will speak on your behalf when you're speechless on the other end of that line. He, he's, he's made it so easy on us. He's taken everything away that might prevent us from from talking to him so that we might do that. So we might pick up that phone and make that call. Right? He, he just, he wants to sit and have a, a conversation with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And what James is going to do in our, in our passage today, we're going to be in James 5 if you want to turn on over there. What James is going to do is he's going to walk through these different seasons of the soul. And he's going to say, look, look, no matter what season you're in right now, God wants to hear from you about that. Would you talk to him? Would you pick up that phone? Okay, and so he's going to he's going to talk about this first season of the soul in, in uh, verse 13 of of James chapter 5 and and, you know, as we get into this, look, you know, you know how to pray probably, right? I mean, you know, you know what that entails. You know how to do it. But what James is going to be asking this morning is, are you, in fact, doing it? Are you talking to God regularly? Is that, is that communication that's taking place often in your life? That's, that's what he's asking us to consider because at the center of the universe is a God who yearns to, to know you. And to have a relationship with you. And, and you, can't, you can't read from Genesis to all the way to Revelations without realizing that that is true about our God. And so in, in verse 13, James he, he jumps right into this first season of the soul and, and he says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Are right? you saying, is, is everything that you're doing going against the grain? Does it feel like no matter which direction you turn that you are running into a strong headwind? Are you being tempted in the middle of a trial? Would you call home? Would you talk to God about that? Let him in. He'll help you with that. He wants to hear from you. And, and it's not an issue of knowledge, right? He knows what we're going through. He just wants to hear about it from us because it, it's about a relationship, right? It's not just about helping us out. He'll do that. But but he wants to be close to us. And and so often, you know, at least I find for me, maybe this is true for you, whatever I'm experiencing or going through this tough. I just I don't think to pick up that phone. I just... I don't know. I just kind of figured God doesn't, he doesn't need to be bothered with that. You know, he doesn't need to be, to be uh, part of my problems. I'll figure this out. I mean, he's busy, right, like running a universe. I'll leave him alone on this one. I'll, I'll take care of this one myself. And, and we approach prayer like, like God were the president, you know. And I'll bet none of you has ever had a problem and you thought, you know what, I think I'm going to pick up the phone and try to call the president, see if he can help me with this. None of us has ever done that. Right? And unless you're the next Joe the plumber and it's almost election time, you will not be hearing back from the president. He won't be calling you back. And we know that. And even if he's in town, like just down the road at, at the University of Texas, if he's on campus giving a speech, we don't run up to him and, and say, you know, hey, the car won't start again or tell him about our little problems. We don't do that, right? I mean, he's got bigger issues to deal with. The president does not have time for you. Unless. You're the president's kid, right? And just imagine if that were you sitting under that desk and you came home from, from kindergarten that day and, and you said, Dad, it happened again today. You know, that kid I've told you about, he, he was picking on me and calling me names and he hit me a couple times. And Can you imagine what your dad, the president, would say? He'd say... I am so sorry, little buddy. Look, this won't happen again, okay? I'm going to make sure of that. And then, and then nobody would ever hear from that little kid or his parents again, <laughs> ever. Look, God, whatever you're going through, God's going to care, okay? Yeah, he is. He's got a universe to run, but that's not his most important job, is it? No, he, he's also your dad, Right? And so, and so you go to him when you're in trouble or when you're suffering, and you say, Dad, you say, please, could you help me out with this? And, and he loves to do that, right? I mean, you, you have the privilege, you get to, you're, you're God's kid. So you get to run right into his office, past all the staff. You don't even have to look at him. doesn't matter what they say. You run straight to him. You can crawl up into his lap and you can tell him what's going on. You know, you get to do that. Dad, I, I need some help with this. And he'll listen. Oh, yeah, he's going to listen. He'll care about that. So whatever it is you're dealing with, would, would you run to him with that? And, and another excuse we give is, you know, it's like, hey, this, this thing I'm going through, it's just it's too small, you know. I'll wait until there's something big to bring to God. But, I mean, just, you know, think about that for a second. Have you ever prayed a prayer that's been big to God? We've never brought something that's been big to him. It, it's all small stuff to him, right? Look, he invented quantum physics. Okay, whatever you're dealing with, whatever problem you're facing, I'll bet he can come up with a solution to that. He can probably help you with that. So James is pleading with us. He's saying, look, would, would you believe me when I say God wants to hear about that from you? He, he's made it as easy on you as possible. He just wants to hear from you. And, and, you know, you may you may pray that he would take that thorn in your flesh away. He may get rid of it. And, and, and he may do that. He may not. But if he doesn't, it doesn't mean that he didn't hear you. It doesn't mean that he didn't care. It doesn't mean that he didn't respond. It just means that, that he knows something you don't. So just just pray, you know, pick up the phone, make that call. All right? And then, and then James, I love what he does next. Is he swings over to kind of this other experience in life, this other, you know, very different experience in this other season of the soul. And, and he says, look, don't just pray when you're in trouble, though, okay? Don't, don't do that. Don't become one of those kinds of kids. No, in, in the second half of verse 13, he says, is any one of you happy? Let them sing songs of praise, Right? Is is life going well for you? Have you had an outstanding day? Did you have an amazing date last night? Is the home project you've been working on for months, is it finally finished? Did you make it through an entire dinner without one of the kids fighting or screaming or going to timeout? That is a miracle, right? You pick up that phone and you say, thank you, God. You celebrate that with him. You know, he'll celebrate with you. Because because every good and perfect gift is from above, anything that's even remotely good in your life, it is because he has brought it into your life. And he wants to hear from us when when we see those good things. You know, when when life is beautiful, he wants to hear from us in in those moments as well, not just when when we're having a hard time. And so James says, look, you know how you can pray when you're happy? You can pray through songs of praise. When you're out driving around, and, and I don't care how old you are, you turn some worship music on, you crank it up. You know, you sing it out loud, and people might be driving by you thinking you're nuts. That's okay. Just wave. Say, hey, you want to sing along with me? Here comes the chorus. You know, just sing it out. Pray. Thank God. Be be excited. Pull him into that celebration with you because it's from him anyways. Right? And, and, And the point is that the prayer is not just about petitioning God for help. It's not just asking him for things. Right? Because it's about a relationship. It's about a lot more than just what God can do for you. And I'll bet we all have, uh, you know, that friend or, or that family member that they only call when things are tough, you know, when they're going through some hard time. And, and I'll bet you don't love that about them, right? Because when things are good, you won't hear from them. And, and every six months when you get that phone call and you see their name come up on your phone, I bet, bet you're kind of tempted to just answer it and say, I am so sorry you lost your job again. Like, let's just get to it, okay? We know this is going to be bad. It's got to be that again. What, what James is saying is, is, look, don't just go to God when, when things are hard. You know, go to him when, when life is, is great, too. In our college prep course that we do every spring with our seniors before they go off to college, what we tell them is we say, look, guys, this is really important, okay? You're going to be calling home to mom and dad probably within the first month of getting to school, okay? A, a lot of times probably. And, and please don't do this, okay? Please don't just call when you need money. Don't do That's a big mistake. Okay, what you also need to do is you need to call home just to chat. Call, call to tell mom and dad you aced the test. Or if school's not going very well, call to tell them you simply passed the test. Like that, that could be a great thing to celebrate because of how badly you're doing. But, but call them to tell them the good things that are happening in your life too. You know, when you're sitting in the cafeteria and you're eating lunch, call your mom. And when you realize she is an incredible cook and you didn't know it until right now, this meal. Or, or you're stuck on the side of the road. Call and tell Dad first. Dad, you are an excellent mechanic. I didn't know it till now, but you are really good. You you would always fix you know flat tires for me. And it, by the way, I need some help now. Could you come pick me up? You know, uh, Mom and Dad, are you getting those phone calls yet from your graduates? Anybody? Okay, we need to keep working on that. But <laughs> but look, it, it, it's it, it's it's about more than just what we want and what we need to get from God. It it's pulling him in and it's celebrating with him and. And, you know, we know what prayer is. We know how to do it. James says, are you, in fact, doing it? Because it's about a relationship, remember? And so the next time that you're walking into an important business meeting and and you're a little bit nervous or the next time you walk out of a doctor's appointment and you've just received some spectacular news, what are you going to do? Two words. I'll bet you can say them with me. Call home, right? Would you talk to God about that? Would you bring him into that? And then James says, look, it's not just when you're troubled. It's not just when you're happy. No, call home also when you need some healing. And, and he says that in verse 14. He says, is anyone among you sick? Well, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And so what do you do when you're sick? You call home. And I'll bet, you know, you probably remember the first time you were away from home and, and you got sick. And, and who did you want to talk to? Who was, who was the person you wanted to call first? It was mom, right? Okay, maybe it's just me. It was mom, though, because because she had taken care of you for 18 years, right? She was there to, to nurse you back to health. And you want to talk to mom. Even if she couldn't come, even if she was hundreds of miles away, just, just hearing mom's voice just made it a little bit better, didn't it? And, and that's what James is saying here. He's saying, look, look, when you're sick, would you talk to the God who invented health? He came up with the thing. Just talking to him, that helps. But you know what? He can actually get in there and do something about it too. He can help with that healing. So you talk to him about it. And, and, you know, there may be times when you need to take that phone and hand it to an elder. You know, one of these older men in the faith, in the church, that God has given the responsibility of leading the church. And you say, look, I need you to make this call for me. I've been praying about this. I've been talking to God. And, 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 and would you please, would you take over at this point? All right? And, and the elders here at Grace, one of the things that I love that they do is is on Sunday mornings, they often meet between hours with with you know people in our congregation, with you. And, and they'll pray just wonderful prayers of healing over People that are suffering from some serious ailment or, or, or a terminal disease, even, and and uh, it's just so sweet. I mean, they'll take they'll do what this passage says. They'll take some oil and they'll dab it on, on the forehead of that person, and and then they'll lay hands on them, and then and then they will pray for that person. And, and if you ask one of the elders in this church, they will tell you some incredible stories of healing that that we've seen happen right here at Grace. But James says, you know what? The elders aren't the only ones who can pray for you. Now, because verse sixteen is going to tell us to pray for each other so that you may be healed, right? And so before you go to the elders, you know what you need to do first? You go to your spouse or you go to a friend or your life group and you say, I I need you to join me in this. I need you to take this call. Talk to God for me on my behalf and ask him to bring some healing into my life. My body is is not good right now. You know, and then James tells us why we ought to pray and and be prayed for when, when we're sick. He says in verse 15, it says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up you know, and, and I, I don't, this is kind of weird, but in, in some mysterious way, what James is saying is that, that our prayers interact with the divine will. How does that work? I have absolutely no idea. I mean, three and a half years in seminary didn't even come close to giving an answer to that question. But what I do know is this, that, that our prayers make a difference, that God takes those prayers in and, and he allows them at times to, to change the decisions that he's going to make, to, to influence his will. We get to pray those kinds of prayers, and, and that's what, what James is saying to us. He's saying, look, don't try to figure it out, okay? You're not going to get anywhere. Just pray, would you? Just talk to him. Pick up that phone. And, and when people, you know, when they look at this prayer offered in faith, and what does that mean, a prayer offered in faith? I think there are two ways that, that we can go wrong about how to think about that. And the first is is that a prayer offered in faith is a prayer of absolute uh, certainty, you know, that there can't be any doubts and, and that that's what a prayer offered in faith is. But, but when it's not answered, then what are you left thinking? You're left wondering, okay, somebody's doubting here. Who is it? Is it you? It's not me. Right? I don't think it's that. And, and another way we look at it is that uh, a prayer offered in faith is this, we go into command mode, right? And, and we, we don't talk to God anymore. We talk to the sickness and, and we say, sickness, I rebuke you. Get out. Right? Like Jesus did. But But Jesus didn't tell us to do it that way. So I, I don't think it's a prayer. Where where you're absolutely certain there can't be any doubts in there, or, or a prayer where you're where you're talking to the sickness and telling it to get out, uh, that's not what heals us. No, a, a prayer offered in faith I think is different than that. And uh, and what we see when when you look at Mark chapter nine, I think you see this wonderful story of of what a, a prayer offered in faith can look like, because you have this father who who has a son and he's a demon possessed little boy and and he comes to Jesus. His father does and he he says he says Jesus my, my son is sick. Would you heal him? And Jesus asks him, basically, he asks him this question. He says, do you believe that I can do this? And the father, he says, I, I do believe, but, but I need you to help me overcome my unbelief. Right? He's, saying, he's saying, I don't know. I don't know if I believe you can do this. I do, but, but I also don't. You know, I have these doubts and these, and these fears and, and questions and uncertainties. And, and then I've got a little bit of faith, you know, that's why I'm here. But, but I, look, I need you to help me too, not just my son. And, and what does Jesus do? He, he heals his son and he helps this, this father as well. And I think, I think that's what a, a prayer offered in faith can be like. The one commentator on James, he says, a prayer offered in faith is a very specific, very direct request. It's a very specific, very direct request. And, and so, you know, what we do is we pray for, for our sickness, as friends pray for us, or the elders pray for us. I think, you know, what that looks like then is, is a prayer that goes something like this, where you say, you say, God, would would you please? Would you please heal this person of this ailment, whatever they're suffering under? Would you do that? And, and we've got some uncertainties here. We've got some questions. You know, we, we we don't know how you'd do this. I mean, we don't know how that would happen. We don't even know what's causing this. But here's what we do know: that if anybody can do anything about this, it's you. And and so would you please? And and you bring those doubts and you bring those fears and those questions along with whatever faith is in there, and and you offer that faith up in prayer. And you say, God would you please would you consider doing this and and then James you know he says that when when we pray he says look look why don't you pray that that God would use the wonderful medicine and doctors that that he's given to us that he's gifted us and and I think he's saying that by 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 this this idea of anointing with oil because as you look at if you might remember from the the story of the good samaritan the samaritan he takes this injured man and he applies oil to his wounds because Oil had medicinal value. It was used to, to heal wounds and, and to, to soothe an aching body to to help somebody to get back to recovery and, and get better. And so I think what James is saying is is look, you asked God if he would use the medicine that he has provided us to heal. But but that doesn't mean you don't also pray for a miracle. You know, you still pray, God, would you would you act against the laws of nature? I mean you you made up the laws of nature. You can suspend them if you'd like. Would you would you do something miraculous here? Would would you would you choose to act against, um, you know, before this person even gets to any medicine or a doctor, would you do something miraculous? So you still pray that prayer? And I think James is inviting us to pray both of those ways. And And then, look, we don't really know how all this works. I mean, we don't, but, but I, I can tell you this. There is a lot of empirical evidence out there. It's overwhelming that says that that a prayer offered in faith, that it makes a difference, that it changes things, that God takes that and he hears that and it affects the decisions that he makes. And, and I've been doing some reading about this and, and I got to tell you, I mean, it's it's kind of strange when you start looking at all the evidence out there in scripture and out of scripture that says that prayer makes a difference. It's been a little bit spooky and, and I want to share a few of those with you. One is, uh, there's a book called The Survivor's Club. It's about people who have survived some serious you know, situation or, or a terrible disease or something like that. And, and the author of this book, Ben Sherwood is his name, very intelligent guy. He was educated at Harvard and, and he was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford. And, and, and he says before he even got to this book, he wasn't planning on including anything in this book about, uh, about faith or prayer or anything like that. But, but he interviewed hundreds of people who had survived uh, some serious situation, some life-threatening ordeal that they were facing. And he says that 80% of the people he talked to attributed their rescue to God, to to these prayers that they prayed in faith to God. And and so he said, 80% of the people I'm hearing this from. So so what does he do? Well, he has to write an extra chapter. And he makes it chapter 6. Calls it rescued from the lion's jaws. Prayer, miracles, and the power of faith. And, And what this author discovered against, I think, his own convictions was that is that when you pray to God about your health, that is good for your health. It's a good thing. There was a study back in nineteen ninety nine. I bet some of you guys have heard of, about it. That, that discovered that people who go to church, people who do things like pray regularly to God, that they live seven years longer than people who don't do those things. Seven years longer. Hey, they, they found this. There's this connection between spirituality and a relationship with God and and living longer. It's good not just for the soul. It's good for the body too. And and what I love about this study, what's significant about it, is it was conducted just down the road at the University of Texas. So you know these results, they weren't fabricated, right? Or maybe they were fabricated. I'll bet bet they discovered you live 20 years longer, not just seven, but they couldn't stomach that. (laughs) Bunch of hippies, you know? What I'm I'm trying to convince you of is that, that prayers offered in faith, they make a difference. They change things. And, and I saved two quick ones that are my favorites for last. There's a study that was done on, on 400 cardiac patients, patients that, were, that had some kind of, of, of heart issue going on. And they divided these 400 people into two groups, and, and half were prayed for by strangers who only had their name. Okay? They didn't know they were being prayed for. The other half weren't prayed for. Okay? They discovered that this half that was prayed for by a stranger, they found four things, that there were fewer complications, there were fewer cases of pneumonia, they needed less drug treatment, and then they left the hospital earlier. I'll bet you'd wish that you were in this group over here, this half over here, right? Wouldn't you? And then, and then my favorite is there was a study done at the Columbia at uh, Columbia University, and, and what they did is they took people from from different continents, from from Canada and the U.S. and Australia, and, and they gave them a, a name, a name of of a stranger, somebody they didn't know that was over in Korea, okay. And, and, and what they'd done is they'd taken these in vitro fertilization patients and they broke them into two groups. And, and again, half their names were given to the stranger to pray for them and, and the other half weren't prayed for at all. And, and, and so, you know, they're praying for somebody 5,000 miles away that they don't even know. And, and what did they discover? They discovered that the half that were prayed for by a stranger, that the pregnancy success rate doubled. That means that you had an 82-year-old woman in Montreal, Canada, helping a 25-year-old woman in South Korea get pregnant, and they didn't even know each other. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's kind of spooky. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. And, and, look, you know, you may be trying to figure out if you believe the Bible or, or you know, what to think about the Bible still. You may, be, you may be in that place. And that's okay. You're in a great place if that's, if that's where you are. But I hope that you'll all hear this, that it is scientifically proven that it is good for you to talk to God about your health. It's scientifically proven that it is good for someone else to talk to God about your health, and you don't even have to know they're praying for you. All right? and, and the point is, you may be one prayer away from being healthy. You may be one phone call away from being well again. James is pleading. He's saying, Look, would you pick up that phone? Would you make that call? Would you call home? And then James, he's going to say something very interesting next. He says, look, there's a chance that you might be sick physically because you're sick spiritually. That, that your body may be breaking because there's something not right in your soul. And, and 15 and 16, he says, the prayer offered in faith that it will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And then he says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And So we're told that, look, when you're sick, when you're not well, when your body is, is breaking, you know what you need to do? You need to examine your heart. You need to look and see, is there any unconfessed sin that's hiding out in your soul? You know, and I'll bet you've experienced this before where, where you're having headaches because of all the worry. You know, you've got ulcers from the fear or you're, you're listless and, and depressed from the anger and the unforgiveness that you're holding on to. And, and what James is going to say is, is he's going to say, look, Look, you need, you need to ask somebody to pray for you. You need to find somebody you can confess to, and you ask them to pray a, a prayer of healing and a prayer of forgiveness over you. And, and if somebody comes to you and says, my body's not well or my soul is not well, there's some sin in there, you could be the person to pray for them. You could be the priest there, and you, you take that phone call for them, and you pray, and you say, God, would you restore them, body and soul? Would you make them right with you again? The best thing that you might do for your health when you're sick is, is to clear your conscience, you know, to get right with God, to, to make peace in a relationship with another human being. That's what James is asking us to do. And then, and then he assures us that God's going to hear us. In verse 16, he says, the prayers of a righteous person, they're powerful and they're effective. And he's not trying to discourage us. He's trying to encourage us. He's trying to say, look, you don't need to get a little holier before your prayers are going to be heard by God. Because look at 17 and 18, look how encouraging this is. He says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave their rain, and the earth produced its crops. You see, Elijah's prayers were heard. They were powerful, and they were effective. But, you know, when you go back and you look at First and 2 Kings, what you discover about Elijah is he was just like us. You know, he was depressive. He got angry. He, he doubted. He failed. But you know what he still did? He still prayed. He still prayed. There was a film back in 2006 called The Bridge. It was about the Golden Gate Bridge. And, and, and I, I watched this film, and, and, and in this film they, they talk about the fact that the Golden Gate Bridge, I mean this majestic place, is, uh, has become the most popular place in the world for people to come to end their lives. And, and the film talks about how people come from all over the world to this bridge, and, and they have this romantic idea that, that they dive off this bridge and just kind of de- disappear into the mist. Except that's not how it happens. What really happens is you jump and you fall 240 feet in four seconds. And you hit the water at 75 miles an hour and, and it shatters your bones. And those, those bone shrapnels, they, they, they are thrown into all of your organs. And if you survive that fall, which is unlikely, then you will sink 70, 80 feet underneath the water and in excruciating pain, you drown. A coroner of some of those who've jumped off that bridge, he says this. He says, it is not this romantic little drifting off into oblivion. You land in crushing pain. And normally a corpse is kind of stiff like a board, but someone who's jumped off the bridge is like a sack of BBs because they have destroyed their interior structure. Why am I telling you this? First, if you if you ever consider ending your life, please don't. And second, uh, there was a gentleman, a young man. He was 19 years old, and his name was Kevin Hines. And Kevin Hines had a lot of hurt in his past. Uh, he had bipolar disorder, and he didn't even know it. All he did know is that every day there was this voice in his head that called him a loser. And one day he woke up, and he couldn't quiet that voice any longer. And so he said he decided to, to get on a bus that would take him to the Golden Gate Bridge where he could end his life. And, and he says that, that he sat on the back of that bus as, as this bus traveled to the Golden Gate Bridge, and, and he said he just wept. And he hoped that somebody would come back there and just check on him and, and see see how he was doing, just ask him, is everything okay? He longed for somebody to make eye contact, but nobody did. And finally, the bus driver pulls the bus over, and he's, he starts walking to the back of the bus, and Kevin thinks the bus driver's coming back to check on him, but he was just coming back to kick him off the bus. And so Kevin gets off that bus, and he walks out onto the Golden Gate Bridge, and he's, he's out there walking around for 40 minutes. He's just weeping. Nobody stops to ask him how he's doing. A woman comes up to him and asks him if, if he would take a photograph for her. And as, as tears are streaming down his face, he takes his photograph, and, and then she just moves on. And so finally, Kevin, he, he walks to the edge of that bridge, and then he jumps. And he said that as soon as his feet left the bridge, that he said, What have I just done? And and even though he'd avoided God his whole life, for the first time in his life, he prayed and he said, God, God, I don't want to die. Please save me, as he made that four-second, 240-foot drop. And then he hit the water at 75 miles an hour, immediately broke both of his legs, shattered two of his vertebrae, and, and he realized I'm not dead. But he was beginning to sink, and, and he was able to make it back up to the surface of the water, but his legs didn't work. And so, so he says, I, I, I'm not going I'm, I'm to die from this jump. I'm going to drown today. And so he prayed again, and then he feels this little bump on his leg. And he says, okay, I'm not going to drown today. I'm going to be eaten by a shark. <laughs> and then this little bump kept happening. And a little while later, he realizes it's a sea lion. And this little sea lion is bumping him up, keeping his head just above the surface of the water until the Coast Guard could get there to rescue him. You can't make this stuff up. There were spectators who confirmed the whole story. Kevin Hines, he lived that day. And you know what he does now? He travels around, sometimes to the Golden Gate Bridge. And what he does is, is he finds people who are in a desperate place, people that need somebody just to be with them, somebody to pray for them. And he is rescuing lives. He is saving lives today. And what he does is is he just picks up the phone for people. And he calls home. And he asks God, God, would you please restore this person's body? Would you rescue their soul? Would you make them okay again? Our God is astonishing, isn't he? I mean, he loves a great story like Kevin's, doesn't he? He writes stories like that from time to time. And, you know, God... He'll let us die when we jump from bridges. He he certainly will. Usually he respects our freedom. But we can know this too about our God, that that he loves to work miracles. He loves to forgive. He loves to save. And and when we are at our lowest point, when we are just sinking into the darkest depths, when we cry out to him, when we plead with him, you know what he loves to do? He loves to reach down and grab us by the hand and say, I'm here and I will help you. Because he wants to hear from us. No matter where you are in life, he wants you to cry out to him, to talk to him. He wants to be with you. He wants to help you. He wants a relationship with you. you know, and, and that's what I'm asking you to do this morning. That's what James is pleading with us is no matter what is happening in your life, would you talk to God regularly? Would you talk to him often? He wants that relationship with you. There's an older friend of mine who told me when he was in college for four years, he would receive these letters from his mom every single week. And, and in these letters that his mom would send him, uh, she would include a, a pre-addressed, pre-stamped envelope with some stationery that he could write her back. You know how many times he wrote back in that four years? Not once. Not once. I mean, was he really that busy that he couldn't write his mom and, and tell her he was having a great day or an awful day or, or you know, he was sick or something in between? No, he just he lost sight of the fact that that his mom, that she loved him. She would raised him. She wanted to be close with him. She wanted to hear from him. She wanted a relationship with him. So what are you going to do differently this week? You know, when the kids are going nuts, when they're, they're turning the house upside down, would you pick up the phone? Would you call and would you ask God to help you in that moment? Or when you're walking out of a review at work, that just went, went outstandingly great. Would you write that letter? Would you let God celebrate that with you? Talk to him about it. Say, thank you so much. You know, if your body is sick or your soul is not in a good place, would you talk to your Maker? Let him in there. You know, he just wants to hear from you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. All right, let's let's talk to him now. Let's pick up that phone, and give him a call. Heavenly Father, we are we're so thankful that you have made it uh, not just possible, but but effortless, so easy for us to to pick up a phone and, and write a letter and. And talk to you, no matter where we are in life, Lord. No matter how good or bad things are, uh, you you long to to be with us, to be close to us. And uh, Father, I pray that we would we would not be those sons and daughters that that forget to write, that that think we can handle this ourselves, that uh, forget to say thank you, that uh, don't call out to uh, to the the great physician, the one who can heal, and uh, and ask you for help, and ask you to be with us, and. And draw close to you, Father, as your children. Lord, we want to do that. That is what it is what you yearn for from us. And and I ask that we would that we would respond, Lord, that no matter where we are in life, Father, we call out to you. And that you would you would respond. You would be there uh, with us. Father, please help us to do that. Pray that you'd be glorified and, and pleased as we move out from here and, and talk to you more often, Lord, and pursue that relationship with you that you long for so much. In Jesus' name. Amen.